Welcome back to Ladies with Gumption, episode 157, System of a Down. We recap DCTV in a flash. I am May, and I'm here with... Tatiana. And Jessica. You can find all our uh, lovely podcast episodes over on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Anywhere you find podcasts, we now have outreach in India and Africa, which is great. Oh so if you want to listen to us there, wow. beautiful. <laughs> wow, we're global. Gumption worldwide. <laughs> yes, yes, it's the gumption takeover. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we're over on Tumblr as well, ladieswgumption.tumblr.com for all of your asks and thoughts, as well as ladieswgumption at gmail.com, where you can send us all your feedbacks feedback weekly about all of the episodes um we also have patreon so if you're not already subscribed we're at patreon.com slash gumption where for you know ten dollars a month i know it's a little bit pricey but you can get everything from mandalorian to bridgerton to really shadow and bone <laughs> i mean honestly it is yeah if you buy it every day probably, yeah so. <laughs> we offer more than disney plus does <laughs> <laughs> ah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Talk about the Witcher, One Yes. Um, Justice League. Godzilla I need to update Spawn. this, like, because I feel like we say like the same stuff every day. But basically, if we break it down into sections, we do like, you know, the MCU verse. We do the Netflix originals. We do Amazon Prime stuff. Anywhere, everywhere, and then of course like HBO Max, all of our premium. You yes. know, we're very flexible and Doom Patrol, so. Titans, all of that. <laughs> yeah. So we do it all. So if you're interested, um, you can help support us and keep this podcast running. For those who already do, thank you so, so much. It is greatly appreciated, and we love you. Uh, over in the news section, we have a Journey Smollett. Smollett. At least Smollett. I never, oh, there we I go. Like, yes, oh, I figured it was. Really Smollett. Smollett. Wow. Yeah. I, I hope it is. It's French or something. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, if it's not, forgive me. Um, and Misha Green confirmed a new Black uh, Black Canary spinoff movie in the works at HBO Max. Misha Green was the showrunner for Lovecraft Country, and she'll be writing the script. The movie does not have a director yet, but I'm sure that it now that it is in development, it will be kind of like be rushed out pretty much. Um, so we'll probably see it in like 2023-ish. Um, Domain Davis inks an overall deal with WB Television Group and joins Naomi as co-executive producer along with Ava DuVernay. And that actually started filming the, the 23rd, so this past Ooh. week, season one, episode one. So it's very exciting. Yay. Looking forward to that. Um, and then, of course, the biggest news was the Flash Armageddon crossover. Armageddon, again, end of world, Arrowverse. Uh, we got the synopsis and we got a bunch of guest stars that include Javisi Leslie's Batwoman. We have um, Alex Brandon from Ralph. Supergirl. Brandon Ralph is coming back as Adam. We have, um, what's her face, Kate McNamara oh. from Mia Queen, sadly. <laughs> and um, we have, of course, Tom Cavanaugh's back as Reverse Flash. Sadly, Matt is not coming back, which, you know, is, you know, we favor Matt. So we're not happy. Has over on, on him. <laughs> yes. You know, just let yes. it go. Bring but back it's, Matt. But it's also, I mean, it's not surprising that he's back either. So, yeah. Uh, We'll see how that goes. But yeah, oh, Black Lightning's coming back. So that's exciting. So lots. And of, um, Ryan Choi. Yes, Ryan Choi. Love of my life. He's coming back. Um, so hopefully we'll see like, and I don't know if they're going to make it so that maybe a couple of guest stars show up in each episode because that'll be like easier to break it down or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know what's in store. So um, exciting nonetheless. And 
we also have another character who I assume is going to be in the Armageddon crossover, even though it wasn't, you know, made explicit in the announcement. But Tony Curran, Curran, cast is Despero. Yes, who is described as a powerful and intelligent alien possessing incredible telepathic powers who left his homeworld, Kalinor, under mysterious circumstances. And now he's facing a deadly mission on Earth, one whose outcome will decide the fate of humankind and put him on a collision course with Team Flash. So we assume he's the big bad of the The crossover. crossover. Mm -hmm. And And apparently he's a JSA villain. So that'll be interesting, even though like Stargirl's not actually crossing over. Yeah. Sadly, and, and I think he I mean, also has battled the Justice League in, in time in his time. But, yeah, yeah. If, like, to... wasn't Eric Wallace? He tweeted like a photo from like um, a comic where like Despero is playing chess or something with the Flash, and I think that yeah. was like a Justice League America. Uh, okay. I just looked up this uh, <laughs> his villains wiki, and it's I love that it says goals take over the universe. More <laughs> <laughs> want to do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love the failed in parentheses though. Like, oh, okay, good to know. Did not succeed. <laughs> um, so, any thoughts about this crossover? Any characters you were disappointed are not going to show up? Most, well, of course, from Supergirl. I, I figured Kara was probably going to be like a long shot. Mm-hmm. You know, just depending on on what Melissa's next steps were. But I really wanted Nia to come and cross over, just because I feel like that could be a gateway into like more journalism bringing her over to the flash but um i mean there's some like i don't understand well okay so the armageddon thing like um i think it was flash tv news that brought it up the theory of that maybe it takes place in the future which would explain why mia queen mm-hmm. isn't here at all um if right it's right having to do with like time travel um armageddon in the comics is like a huge like time travel heavy story so um, and I guess, like, if it is in the future, then that, that also, like, opens it up. Because they weren't announced in this big thing. Mm-hmm. But we also didn't see them leave in the finale. So Bart and Nora could still be around or have some kind of part to play. Yeah, and they've teased that they're pretty much going to be back to some extent. So if it does yeah. take place in the future, like, their parents will be coming to them, you know, which would be interesting to see. And also, I I would like to hope that this, if it does take place in the future, they can bring in you know iris's time displacement in factoring that into the storyline because that would be really interesting as well Mm -hmm. so we shall see november 16th is when it begins airing um other than that of course you know our format is uh what brings us joy what does not bring us joy some feedback from all your thoughts and crowning lady with gumption of the week and to take it away is the lovely jessica yes this episode is titled System of the Down because we're talking about the toxicity in the air of Earth. <laughs> um, but anyway, there's a lot of toxic stuff going on. Uh, but we're going to start with side A, which is Legends and Stargirl. 6% slash silent mode. So first off on Legends of Tomorrow, Silence of the Sonograms, with the Legends on high alert um, with their un- unwanted guest, Bishop, in their custody, Ava is tasked with the interrogation. Bishop claims to come in peace, even offering to, you know, make a shake to help Rory with his pregnancy headaches. He is helping Ava with her wedding planning, um, doing all this kind of like friendly stuff. But Sarah and Nate are still skeptical as they watch things unfold from a safe distance. Um, 
And although at first she's like feeling confident and firmly in control, the, the whole interrogation thing, the more Ava gets to know him, the more she feels connected to him. And she's like confused. Where are these emotions? Um, you know, she finds out that Ava's weren't meant to have love and she found love and, you know, this is her creator. So there's a lot of like emotion. Love in a hopeless place. Yeah, she did. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, then when worry goes into labor, Bishop takes that opportunity to escape his cell, um, seemingly proving Sarah and, and Nate right that he is bad all along um, and heads straight to the delivery room. So they think he's that he's going to steal Rory's babies. <laughs> and Sarah tries to stop him, but Bishop, who we find out is now 6% Sarah, he clones Sarah's DNA. So everything <laughs> she knows, he knows. And he's able to sidetrack her and get into um, Rory's delivery room. Meanwhile, Zari is disturbed by the revelation that John was a beast, and she enlists Astra and Spinner's help to figure out what is actually going on with Constantine. Finding his blood magic stash, Zari gives Constantine an ultimatum. It's either her or the magic. John chooses her and seemingly gives up magic for good, but the beast inside John, which is now apparently like a thing with a solid body that can hurt him, does not like that plan and takes over John's body. And when it does take over, the first order of business is to link up with Bishop, who conned his way into Rory's delivery room specifically for the purpose of stealing Rory's comms. So now we have evil Constantine and Bishop teaming up against the rest of the ship. Nico Sash, Sash, I guess, directed the episode written by Phil Klemmer and Morgan Faust. What sparked joy? I just love this episode. I feel like it was super good for the most part. And then I was like upset at the end. But for the most part, I thought it was really good. Um, I really loved the um, Ava and why can I Bishop like back and forth. I love the mind games between them. Bishop is first off just like really like captivating, right? He's compelling to watch on screen. He's really great. Good job to the actor. Um, and Ava did a or Jess McCallan really did a really good job with like playing the line of like does is Ava playing him or is she being played by him? him and it was totally understandable that she might be because he is you know like like coming at the angle that he's like her father figure right um he could be her preacher teacher uh so she <laughs> um she got really like emotional about what she's designed to do versus like what she can do and like what free will is for her and the fact that she doesn't have a family I thought that was really sweet. Plus, Sarah being there for her and, like, apologizing for, like, putting too much on her. And them having, like, kind of, like, a real conversation about that. Like, no, I wanted to do this, and yet I still feel overwhelmed by it, you know. So, like, it's not, like, really on either of them. But it is a negotiation that they have to deal with because they're getting married. Um, so it was really nice. And I, was, you know, continue to, like, love and believe in their relationship. So, good job, legends. <laughs> um... I also love that I couldn't tell half the time if Bishop was like, like I knew that Bishop had to have like an evil end game because otherwise what is the point of the season? But, <laughs> but he did, you know, had you have me going for a little bit at, at times. I'd be like, Oh, okay. Maybe he has changed and something later is going to revert him back. Right. And then at the end, he's like, ha I got the cubs. And I was like, oh, fuck. but you know, I liked that they kept doing moments where like they distrust, they didn't trust him. And he would show them that he was actually trustworthy, right? And then they'd be like, oh, okay, we're going to peel back one layer. But we still don't trust you, right? So 
and then in the end they let their guard down too much and then you know whatever he sold the cops also i loved everyone like cooing over nick's 48 babies or whatever it is uh that was that part was really cute and they're all little, little like cocoons i don't understand what i don't understand what these aliens are like but that's fine because i'm like what we've seen of them right what they actually turn into as adults and how is this they're like <laughs> how are they like this is babies i don't know we'll find out we will find out um this was probably my favorite episode for the horrible Constantine storyline that I hate and I don't ever want to see again. But I liked him choosing Zari, right? Or him wanting to choose Zari. And then this, like, actual conceptualization of the beast that's inside of him, right? Egging him on and, like, sort of, like, the fact that it could literally, like, physically attack him. Or maybe it's not physical. I don't know. Right? Maybe it's all on his head. Whatever. Whatever it is, like, you get to actually see this, like, addiction play out in corporeal form. Um, I thought that the even though it's, like, not really parallel, because obviously Constance and are in a much worse spot than Ava Lance were, but, like, having those two, like, emotional beats for both those couples in the same episode felt like they were kind of paralleling each other and marrying each other. <sighs> and then the ending happened. So. <laughs> um, also, I just loved Gary. Just, like, uh, once again, just throwing out helpful facts about... Uh, just Garying it. <laughs> yes, the preg- pregnancy and whatever these aliens are called that I've already forgotten the name of. Um, and when he was, when the doors were closed, Bishop was in there and he was like, no, Mick needs me. <laughs> um, that was so cute. <laughs> and that is all. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> I too generally like this episode a lot. I think it was a bottle-ish episode, you know, where they were stuck on the ship for most of it. And then again, using John's house probably for budgetary reasons. But I think that the way that they played it up really kind of raised the stakes, heightened the tension. There was a lot going on, not just in forwarding the story, but like the emotional fallout and development for characters, which was really great to see. And, you know, the whole back and forth between Ava and Bishop was really well played. I completely agree. I was also like, I knew, I know he's evil, but <laughs> he's very <laughs> yes! convincing. Yes! And I hate that he's convincing because it's like, it takes a lot for a villain to, you know, not necessarily, he has an evil plan, but like usually he's doing stuff. This was just him talking. And it was just really fun to to have that exchange because I think that, you know, even if he's not a great guy, he's making a lot of points. <laughs> so you're like, yes, I buy that. Um, and I especially liked his relationship with Ava because of the whole, you know, her, it really brought up the feelings that she's probably not been thinking about up until the wedding about not necessarily having like a regular childhood or pa- real parents or anything like that and how that must feel and how even though the legends are her family like she doesn't have a connection with someone who you know created her or whatever so having bishop there really brought out all those feelings and i think that jess mcallen really nailed the emotional beats uh to that storyline um and also kind of like toying with bishop like the whole cat and mouse chess uh thing that they had going on was really fun and enjoyable to watch um (laughs) i too thought that this was a really strong episode for John. I don't like the storyline, but I think that it was really good. <laughs> it was really good to have a Zari finally figure out what was going on and have Spooner and Astra kind of join in on the what's going on with John. We need to figure yes, this out. Girls, definitely. <laughs> yes. 
And also just like a minor thing, but um, Zari calling Spooner Spoons was so cute. So I cute. I love this nickname for her. That was cute. <laughs> also, wasn't it Zari who like pointed out like when they passed Bishop and she was like, oh, that's Bishop? Like she's like, yeah. oh, that's not working for him or whatever. I laughed. <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> With them just like working together and trying to figure out what's wrong with John. Because I feel like of all the people this season specifically, they have the closest relationship to John in different ways. Because like Spooner was with him on that one mission in Spain. And then of course Astra and then Zarya as his girlfriend. So it was really uh, great to see them kind of collaborate on that and then try to help him. And even like, you know, usually I don't ultimatums in like shows with when it comes to relationships is like oh no they made them choose <laughs> but when Zari was like it's the flask or me I was like yes sorry <laughs> the choice was necessary yes it was <laughs> and I like that she put her foot down and that they got to have a really um open conversation about the fact that you know she was opening up to him about her loving him and he also revealed that he loved her and how he wants to try because you know they make each other better people and somehow this works and they really want to make it work and just like a lot of support there so I was really upset by the end that you know John decided against that for reasons um but I thought well, that it was he, he didn't decide against it right, so whatever he like the I demon didn't. decided against it or whatever yeah it was so upsetting which is to so my heart. bullshit yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I like that they were able to have uh that conversation in general because you know it it also just shows how much their relationship has evolved over the season. Um, so it was really great for them to be finally on the same page throughout John's ordeal so far. Um, and, you know, <laughs> Mick giving birth was, I mean, TV births are always super fast, but it was just like really funny to see a, because it was Mick going through this and he's like, Oh, we're going to have to deliver it through the nose. And you're like, Oh my God, this is so disgusting, <laughs> but weirdly entertaining. Um, and I think that, it was just nice to have that moment with the legends kind of be a family. And she's like, no, we have little newborns on our ship. It's so cute. Um, so I think the episode in general was like super strong and developing the characters specifically. Cause you know, sometimes legends get so caught up with the antics and all the other stuff that it was nice to slow down a bit and ramp up the emotional parts so that we can go into the next few episodes and really feel like that this was worth it. Yeah, you know what, I I don't know why, like, I feel like when I was thinking about, like, this episode, I was like, I, I'm not gonna have a lot to say about it, but mainly because I was just focusing on the fact that I hated how the Constantine storyline ended, right. but, like, what? Did you say something, Dottie? I was just like, I was agreeing with you. I was like, yes, <laughs> it ruins everything, and I kept waiting for you to drop, and it yeah. almost didn't drop, and then it did. Okay, <laughs> Yeah, but but this, I mean, like you guys said, like this did have a lot of like really strong moments throughout the episode, and like one of my favorite ones was like the dynamic between Ava and Bishop, because I feel like despite Ava having the tendency to rub people the wrong way, <laughs> as we discussed like last week with like you know the the comments she was making during like her wedding planning and stuff, she does have. Um, you know, all of these kind of like insecurities and, you know, her own way of like um, trying to figure out her place in the world. And I did appreciate her storyline and how the lines kept like blurring between, you know, like you said, like whether she was luring him in or being lured by him. Um, I genuinely found it like very hard to tell at what point she got wrapped up in Bishop's like notion of like lost family. Let's, you know, 
I want to repent, whatever. I have no idea at what point in their little investigation that it happened because like Sarah and Sarah was so confident that my baby's got this. She is playing him like a fiddle. And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> Cause they seem like they get along really well. Um, and then it also right. kind of, um, you know, the whole reveal that in his upload, 6% of his DNA is like Sarah's. I wonder if that also has something to do with like how he was able to I was going to say, what a plot twist. <laughs> I know. <laughs> how he was able to connect with Ava or maybe how, because I, I thought it would seem, because usually when Ava, you know, we have this like um, precedent of every time she meets someone new, she's like an asshole. She, she really, she does not like you at all. And so Bishop being like, obviously the antagonist and obviously the, the villain, expecting her to go in with a little bit more, um, gusto gumption i guess but you know the way that the the conversation came about it just felt like she also just wanted to know him because he did create her um so i thought that was like really interesting dynamic and in, in trying to figure like both of them out and he seemed very genuine when he was talking to her about being proud of her um i thought it was like a, a really interesting reveal that she has not been good at wedding planning or feel like she's good at wedding planning. And, you know, Bishop was like, well, Ava's weren't designed to fall in love. And like, maybe that's why you can't like commit to anything. And, you know, so all of that kind of um, exploration of, you know, still dealing with the fact that Ava is a clone that she wasn't supposed to, you know, have all these kind of successes, but she did, she, she fell in love and she has got all these like friends and family and all this kind of stuff. And, but she was being proud of her in the way that he, that she's evolved beyond like what he even imagined when he first created them. And I thought that was all like really, really sweet. Um, and I agree like the, the conversation between Sarah and Ava where, you know, it, it took Sarah a while to actually realize what Ava was going through and that she was feeling overwhelmed. Um, I like that they had that conversation and talked it out. And then, you know, I'm basically like echoing you guys, but of course, like the the best trio <laughs> of spoons, Zari and, and Astra. I like that Zari, when she figured out something was wrong, that she went to Astra because she knows that Astra is like John's pseudo daughter in a way. And, you know, anyone can help out that she could. I like that they went to Spooner. And because I forgot the fact that John erased her memories. So I'm like, yes. Spooner, that's smart, because she can tell you exactly what happened. And then she's like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> so I like that they were, like, really active in, in working together and um, trying to figure out a solution to save John from himself. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think there was a lot of, like, really good character relationship dynamic stuff going on. Um, but getting into the other half of um, our podcast about what did not spark joy, please let us all rant on <laughs> <laughs> on the fall of John Constantine. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like, like I see you saying right now in, you know, the little notes for the no joy, it's just so shitty. Like why? Um, I mean, I guess I'm glad that it was like, he was trying to do better. And then it was like, I don't know, but it's still, cause it's still, whatever. Yeah, cause it's, still it's, and it's not like, yeah. sorry, you can see like, you know, there's a yeah. demon. Exactly. Controlling John. Yeah. It just feels like he didn't choose her. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It's horrible. I don't know how they're gonna I don't know how they're gonna fix it or if they're gonna fix it. I don't know if they can um, fix it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just feel so, like shit. So it's just depressing. <laughs> it's so depressing. Um <laughs> sad um, days all the time. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Forever. I mean, like, yeah. I can only be kind of glad that it wasn't just character assassination, but it's like, feels like literal character it assassination. Feels like it. it feels like they're <laughs> literally assassinating the character. And the fact that we know that he's not going back next season doesn't make it so much worse. Especially after such a nice scene, like the, the lovely I love yous that you guys were talking about between Constance and Z. And now, I don't know. I don't know. I just hate it. I really hate it that they're doing it. Like, I guess it's good because it made me feel things, but I don't like how I'm feeling. So <laughs> I, I want it to stop. Um, that is what I would like. Um, that being said, aside from that, um, I don't know if I really have um, other dislikes. I really thought it was a strong episode. But I do think that, like, the season has felt a little bit maybe uneven in terms of like who's getting uh attention paid to them <laughs> like mick has gotten a surprising amount because he's pregnant but other than that i'm like i still feel like like this isn't like a really strong first season for spinner even though she's a strong character and she's really great but we're not really getting to dive into her story and right her. we haven't even started her story yet yeah. i thought for sure that bishop would recognize spinner mm-hmm. or there'd be some kind of like hint there it's yeah. like, like they forgot that she's connected to aliens sometimes. Right, like it right. goes back and forth. I suppose we'll find out next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like because you'd think that they would have her involved with Bishop because he goes back to the to the beginning of the aliens instead of the Ava thing. I got the Ava thing because he created her, but like they decided for that to be the case, you know. Um, as opposed to her suddenly randomly being connected with John, like they had her go on that mission with John, but it didn't have anything to do with her really. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's kind of it's like weird, interesting, I guess. Um, and then, you know, Bayrod had his big moment last week, and then was he, he was at, even yes, in the episode? He was gone. I didn't even, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't know if they even gave an explanation for, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if they gave an explanation for it. But, but yeah, so I think that this has been a really great season for Ava, for Sarah, um, and then for... Constancy or the destruction of it? <laughs> for the destruction of Constancy, exactly. It's been a great season for tearing down Constancy, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're getting screen time. I just don't like what, you know, I don't like the right I don't like what they're doing with they it, yeah. They are getting it. Um, but then everyone else is kind of like, I'm also here. Even, even, not that I want more for Nate, but even Nate has been getting, like, nothing. Did Nate do anything this episode? I don't remember either. <laughs> he That's why they only give him Zari, because yeah, he exactly. literally got nothing else. <laughs> Exactly. So anyway, so that would be just like, I feel like that's like, this has been like maybe the most imbalanced I felt uh, the legends be. And also, you know, we're still like, we, we've got Bishop back. So we're going somewhere, but I still don't know where. So, that exactly. Is. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Take it away. <laughs> yes. Like, what is the end goal here? Is it world domination? <laughs> um, we don't know. Um, they won't tell us. And I also like 15 minutes and I was like, wait, the good vibes are off here because Beharad is not in this episode. <laughs> so I felt it. And especially after, you know, like you said, last episode, he had a really strong episode and he had a talk with Zari. So it was a little odd that he wasn't around. And they didn't make, they didn't give us a reason as to why he wasn't here. So I don't know. It felt a little bit I guess strange. Because if he was in it, then he would have to be supporting his sister in the Constantine plot. And they already had too many characters over there. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. But, um, I, I don't. I also don't like the John plot in general, and you know, we've been saying this for a while now. But it it does feel like character assassination, and like what I hate, hate, hate in narratives is when they have a character he's developed so much since we first met him. You know, he he was finally in a good place. He belonged somewhere. He was in a strong relationship, and then they decide that's maybe that's not interesting enough and we need to destroy everything he's built for himself. I cannot stand that because it just, it never makes any sense. And it's like, they're doing it on purpose because 
I don't know if they're just like bored with Constantine. They want him to play. They love Matt Ryan. They want him to play somebody else. It just, it's like how we felt with when like they changed Zari, except like that sort of made sense to some extent. And this doesn't <laughs> make sense to me at all because again, it's, they don't really touch upon his, like his backstory with regards to like why he's feeling this way. And it just, some parts of it feel very contrived. Like they need to have this story for him so they can blow everything up because they just don't want. I feel like they wanted to somehow get Bishop like a a a baddie sidekick and evil Constantine was what they wanted to go with. So I don't know. I mean, I guess it'll it depends on how it plays out in in the remaining episodes. But I just felt like they just wanted to make him evil so that Bishop could have an evil buddy that was a legend, which you know. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it is stupid. It is very stupid. Especially I since, hope like that that's the reason, just so then we can go back to like it being okay at the end. <laughs> like if yeah. it's just so the yes, like, because it's just buddy. it's <laughs> so frustrating to see. Like I especially knowing John's not gonna be John next season, like I don't want him to die or have his story end very tragically or and have him and Zari like break up all over this because it it was all unnecessary. <laughs> so it just it's starting to feel that way. And and so like this the twist at the end, I know it was supposed to hurt because you know, dramatic being very dramatic. It's like, look what we did. We were having a moment, and then John's getting back on the whole drinking blood thing, and it just I think we said this last week but like it doesn't even feel like they're saying anything about addiction either so it's just like i don't really understand why you're doing this to a great character or a great ship so it just feels empty <laughs> yeah it's it feels just like clear sabotage like you know i just want constant t back i want them in like a good place like they were in the beginning of the season in last season it just i don't no, because like the way that it it progressed, she gave him an ultimatum. She's like, "Look, I know this is difficult for you, but we need to get you off the sauce. And if you want this relationship to work, as I do, then it's either that or me." And he chose her. And so, like at the end, when Beast is like, "Ah, eh, I don't like that," it's just kind of like it's, you know, like I said before, like now she's just gonna think that he does not love her enough. And that he chose magic over her when that's not the case. The case is that he's been overtaken by whatever demon. And I hope I hope that if they do do the surprise, he's good again kind of thing. That I hope it is like whatever is in that vampire blood that he's drinking physically manifests something. Like I hope that's explained that, you know, it's it's not just like John's addiction demon and, and him like him himself being like, I can't do it, but like something physically. Mm-hmm. Scientifically explained in this magic juice. <laughs> I hope so too. Grows like a cancer, and that <laughs> cancer tumor inside of him has a mind of its own. Like, I hope, you know, because that's the only way that I feel like it could shake out to something that is somewhat explainable. Because um, otherwise, like, I don't know, I don't even know how to like write the ship anymore, like at the end and kind of like give it a happy ending. <sighs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm very disappointed um and then like with with bishop like although like ultimately he gets one over on the legends and that was really cool because i was like in the like the as we were going through the episode i couldn't tell whether he was being real or fake with ava and then i was also like but if he's being real and he does want to like be a good guy then like what's the point like why <laughs> why why are we doing this anymore and then he does get one over on the legends which is cool you were 
somewhat intelligent, which is what the legends were trying to prove, the writers. But, <laughs> like, you know, okay, you have comms now. You're still trapped. Or you're still like, in, like, lockdown on the ship. So where do you go from here? Like, what is the point of him? You know, like, Sarah defeated him in his Ava plot on the planet. So now what is he doing? I don't know. Um, and I just know he has Evil John as a minion now. So, you know, there you go. And Kayla... She came in last <laughs> episode, gave Rory the love grip, and bounced. Like, you were a deadbeat mom. Come back for your kids, girl. <laughs> Come she did back. a vanishing eye. And did, it, did they explain where she went? And she just took her ship and bounced. Yeah, <laughs> but, I was so confused with that. I was like, so you're not going to kill him because he's got your babies, but now you're done? Yeah, now you're gone? Like, I would want her to come back. Like, is she waiting for Bishop to give her, like, a signal to come get me and John? Like, I don't know. How is he going to take care of alien babies? What do they do with them? <laughs> Well, Gary's 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 gonna be like the the wet nurse or whatever. The wet nurse. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, getting into feedback, it seems like Suara does have a limit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know. <Yes>. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> please, please tell us Suara. what he Suara. Suara says, "Hello, ladies. Legends this week was weird, and not in the good sort of weird that Legends usually is. Unfortunately, it was very weird in a few of its character motivations, particularly John. There was absolutely no need for this disintegration of his character, both physically and emotionally. It's needlessly torturous to watch, especially as we know that somehow he's leaving the show. I hope he somehow is healed and gets to live the rest of his life off the ship, but if that happens, I also don't want Zari 2.0 to simply go off with him. She and Zari 1.0 for... 1.0 for that matter is an amazing character who has so much more to do than only focus on the men in her life. I think Zari 2.0 is a part of next season though, so we can, you know, be happy. <laughs> and I don't think that this, uh, that is happening by any means, but watching this episode, it could look that way to viewers. I really hope the writers do both her and 1.0 justice, but we'll have to wait and see. I suppose the new bishop with 6% of Ava's DNA, sorry, Sarah's DNA, was interesting, but his plot with Ava felt still felt random, even though I did appreciate her emotional beats in the episode and her existential anxiety. The birth scene with Mick was honestly just disgusting. Okay. There was overall such an offy energy <laughs> in this episode that didn't work for me, which rarely happens with Legends. I really hope the rest of the season is on the upswing. Thank you so much, Suara. Yeah, Sad that you, you were disappointed in the episode. Yeah, interesting. Sad and interesting. Do we have um, any? Go ahead. Predictions? Is that what yeah. you're going to say? Because yeah. I do have a prediction. You Although... predicted I was going to talk about predictions. Yeah, wow. Our minds. <laughs> our minds. So um, I agree with Suara. Like, like, I mean, you already said that Zari Duono is going to be in the show. But that scene where she was like, I love you, John. I don't care about your magic and whatever. I was like, oh, my God. Yes. That's like the ending point of this. So I feel like hopefully we can get back to that somehow, right? If we just... This is a fluke, and we just pretend it didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but I do think that it'll end with like John going somewhere to heal, right? Like I don't think he'll he's go to gonna... like magic rehab. Yeah, basically, mm -hmm. right? Like maybe he won't have his magic back, but like maybe to learn how to live without magic. And so then he and Zari will have that like see you later kind of goodbye thing, you know, like that woman did with Sophie and Kate, except not a permanent one because it's not like he's not coming. Like the actor's still around, so it's right. not like you can't just bring him back for a reunion later. And that way you can just keep Zari 2.0 there doing whatever she's going to do, dealing with whatever this Constantine is, and then have a reunion down the line. I hope they're going to do, like, just the fact that Matt Ryan is coming back, he's coming back mm -hmm. as a different character, This it just reminds me of, like, Nate and, you know, like... Charlie. 
Mm. No, Nate looking at Zari 2.0. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You look like that, someone I love. Yeah, yeah, that would be annoying. Except that if they do it, like, one time. And then Zari could be like, well, now I know how Nate feels. And then, <laughs> you know, move on. Never do it again. <laughs> but, yeah. That's yeah, all. I like that. And I will. it will be my headcanon until it is proven otherwise. <laughs> Moving on to Stargirl. Um, it's been lonely being the brother of a superhero, but when Mike comes into possession of uh, the Thunderbolt pin, he's ready to say goodbye to the boring paperboy route and being beat up by bullies and hello to the newest being the newest member of the JSA. After getting a taste of the superhero life, raining down stop signs from bullies that were threatening Girl Scouts, Mike pleads with Pat to let him join the team. However, having control of Thunderbolt is not as straightforward as it seems. Unless very carefully worded, the, I don't know, imp-like, god, alien spirit thing that he is, can play loose with its owner's wishes, sometimes causing more harm than good. Elsewhere, Barbara is still on high alert after learning the identity of Richard Swift, a.k.a. The Shade. When she visits um, the Zarek inventory to find what Swift might be searching for, he corners her and winds up escaping with a seemingly empty box that we find out later has a black diamond in it, which is very, very bad. After a frank one-on-one with conversation with Thunderbolt on why he chose Mike, and um, Thunderbolt chose Mike because he bonded, bonded with someone who felt like lonely and alone like he does, and some passionate convincing from Court and the rest of the JSA, Pat agrees to let Mike and Thunderbolt help find the shade. However, once the easy part was done, Mike is once again on the bench, and the rest of the JSA prepare for confrontation with the shade, but they find out that he is different from what they expected. Not content with being left out, Mike tries to help anyway with an ill-timed wish, catching the whole team off guard and allowing Shade to get the upper hand and escape. Court tries to come to her brother's defense, but facing disappointment from both his parents, Mike hastily and offhandedly mentions that he wished the pen was in better hands, and an answer is his wish by disappearing and finding Jakeem. Finally, Beth is frustrated with the failed Shade plot and her efforts to save Chuck, um, she opens up to Rick about her parents' divorce, Our Night Crumbs, hello. Their heart-to-heart is interrupted by the real Chuck, warning about the threat of Eclipso through the goggles. Leah Thompson directed the episode written by Terry Meyer and Alfredo Septian, I believe. Mm. So uh, what sparked joy about this episode? Well, seeing Leah Thompson direct always sparks joy. Um if I'm not mistaken, that's Leah Thompson from Back to the Future, right? Mm-hmm. I'm always like, yay, you go, girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> that being said, I cannot quite remember this episode. I watched it, like, in between doing many things. But <laughs> I did, I know I liked the, the, mic, the, the mic stuff. I was like, I know that Jessica will be. I was surprised <laughs> that I liked the mic stuff. But because we had seen, like, the possibility of... Um, what is her name? Evil girl, Eclipse, Eclipso, trying to use Mike, right? It's like the ISA. I like that they, Cindy, yes, Cindy, but like through Eclipse's influence, yeah. right? Um, I like that they had made like a like an honest go at making Mike part of the JSA, right? So we see he's not very good at it, but also that it seemed like they came to an understanding. The fact that uh, Pat was like not receptive to him being a part of it because of like his child. Um, and then Amy, Amy Smart, what is Barbara? Barbara being like, you know what? We're still part of the team, right? We still contribute in our own way. We're part of this family, even if we don't have powers. 
and Courtney sticking up for Mike, letting him try it, and then also being like, you can't just like keep him out of it just because he's your kid, right? I mean, like the conversation that Mike and her had, where he was like, well, he tried to stop you at first, right? So. <laughs> She's like, you have a point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that whole, I liked, I liked all the family dynamics that we got in the episode, and I thought it turned out for the best. Um, you know, I'm glad that we're gonna get Jakeem now. And that Mike is not actually going to be <laughs> Thunderbolt because that would have been a little bit um, awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought that just like the spectacular failure of his Thunderbolt was funny after having built it up for like half the episode or three fourths of the episode. And then it was like, nope, that did not work out. Okay, moving on. This time, even the last week, I did not like the Shade and Barbara plot. This time it was like, was genuinely like concerned, right? I was like, save Barbara. So, um, <laughs> I am warming up to the shade. I do agree that he is a pretty cool villain. I'm looking forward to seeing where that is going. Um, I still don't have enough. Well, that's that's not a, that's not a joy. So, okay. <laughs> there you go. Good episode overall. Good family stuff. Um, I like how they definitely take their time with exploring the characters and those character relationships. And I also did like the hour night moment. Um, it was nice that Beth was able to like unload on um on rick you know and that he was receptive to her so there you go agreed yes i will also collect the crumbs because i did not expect that and that was nice and i you know for as much as i some people were were hyping up or worried that rick and yolanda were going to be a thing we haven't really gone yeah we haven't really gotten any of that yeah so i'm happy (laughs) yes thank god (laughs) so that's good uh but then again they're not really hyping up any ship to be honest "Eh." but i do feel like most of like more of the um interviews and stuff there's more of like um angelica Mm. you know mentioning like you know our night happens in the comics and all this kind of stuff so i feel like it's coming up more in interviews which i don't know what that means but (laughs) it means maybe they've well, the, are they done filming? Or maybe they, they filmed those episodes already, which is why she's teasing it, hopefully. Um, but yeah, besides the crumbs, I, th- I just thought it was really funny that Rick's like, they're like, where were you? And he's like, I was feeding my dog. And they're like, you've got a dog? <laughs> and it took me a second. I was like, wait. And I was like, no, no, that's probably Solomon Grundy. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I did think that the episode was really there interesting. There was something else, like they, when they were about to go into the Shades house, and he was like, he said something, and Court was like, what? <laughs> He's like, I don't know. Like, we don't know you at all anymore. <laughs> I really like that this was sort of uh, like a day in the life of Mike episode, um, because in general, Mike has always just been on the sidelines. He interacts with his family. Now he knows, you know, Courtney is Stargirl and his dad was Stripesy or whatever, but he doesn't really get to engage as much with they're superheroing and so you know it's understandable that like he feels left out and i like that we got to explore that because it sort of paid the way for the message i always love which is that you don't need to wear a suit to be a superhero and i love that you know he and barbara got to have that conversation because they are you know it's like the step step parents and the child are always like paired up on the opposite sides which is really nice uh, parallel to having like pat and courtney's relationship um so it was you know, nice that we got that and that Mike got to, like, his parents got to see what was happening with him without him necessarily having to become a superhero as the, you know, end game for him. Like, that's not going to solve all his issues or his feelings or whatever. So uh, I think it was a good message in general. I did like the conversation between him and Yolanda about, 
you know, because he did hit Isogol last season, except, you know, it was an accident. And I know that, you know, she's been struggling for the last couple of episodes with regards to what happened with Brainwave. And it's nice that we get to see it continue on. It's not just like a, we explore your trauma for one episode and then it mm-hmm. just gets dropped, <laughs> as most of the other shows tend to do. So it, this show is really good at establishing the characters and their emotions and putting that first before all of the superhero stuff which is really nice and speaking of they did have like the shade this episode so i like that they all were on the same page with regards to like going after him and finally like breaking into his house basically and thinking that they're gonna one up this man who has a lot of uh, power and he's very powerful and there's like a sense of he seems very charming but also very sinister and you know that he's just going to fuck shit up without even moving. Like, he didn't leave his seat. And it was just brilliant to watch the actor kind of, like, showcase a sense of menace towards them. While also making me question whether he is a villain to begin with. Like, because he's, right. it seems like he wants to stop Eclipso somehow or whatever. Um, so I'm really interested in seeing more of his storyline and, and why he fell out with the ISA and, and all that stuff. So I think he's a really, really great character so far. Um and Jakeem, I'm glad that Mike was not a superhero at Thank the end God. because we got, you know, that, that reveal. Because the whole episode, I was like, oh, I mean, I guess that makes sense that they're going to give it to him. But the fact that they didn't was like a nice little twist at the end that it does belong in better hands, you know. So the better hands is not Mike. And he can continue being like a cool little brother and also sidekick. Um, yeah. yeah. Love the emotional stuff. You know what? Like last season, I hated Mike. I did not like him. This was not like a Mike-friendly household. So I wasn't sure if I was going to like enjoy this like Mike-centered episode, especially when it looked like he was going to inherit Thunderbolt permanently. Um, But I do think that they did a good job exploring how Mike feels like an outsider compared to like Courtney and all of her cool friends in the the JSA um, and all these cool friends with their own superhero stuff are taking up all the time with his dad. So like, you know, that's a lot to kind of like take on and, you know, find out that your, your sister and your friends and her friends have like powers and like, Oh, I want to be a superhero. That same school. Like everybody kid wants to feel like they're a part of something. So um, even though, like, I feel like it's the same thing. Cause I feel like Courtney, sometimes her actions on the surface level, very annoying, <laughs> but because I think the writers do such a great job um with their like character development and um, just really kind of spending time on the characters, you kind of understand definitely Mike's motivations and where he's coming from and why he does what he does in the episode. Like, yes, he absolutely fucked up the mission, came in at the wrong time, didn't know what was going on, just kind of like burst in, thought he was going to save the day really easily and just kind of messed it up for, for everybody. But I can't really feel that bad like mad about it or that like oh my god you just fucked up the episode you know because i i get like why you know no one wants to sit on the bench so i kind of understand like his his reasonings for why that he did it um and then speaking of like courtney as well i really liked um you know the sibling solidarity in this episode and you know she was like oh well i don't know if pat says you know you can't be in it i guess you can't be in it then you know mike kind of like pleaded his case like you didn't start out being great at being star girl pat didn't want you to do that either um and so like when she did see it from his from his side and the other kids saw it from his side as well they kind of like stuck up for him and even after the mission she was like well you know what it's it was his first day (laughs) 
he had an off moment. So let's we can just kind of rally around. So I really like that Courtney like stuck up for for Mike. Um, but then I also like um, that he kind of realized like you know what you know I get it that while you're you're mad at me you know you are right that I kind of rushed in and then he I just I felt really bad even though I didn't want him to have Thunderbolt I felt really bad for him in the moment when he just like made that offhanded comment and lost it <laughs> right there because I just felt like it was like kicking him when he was down um, but I am pumped that the better hands is Jakeem and that you know we finally get to see Jakeem because they've name dropped him in the previous episode um and then you know again at the beginning of this episode it's so like well you keep saying Jakeem but where is Jakeem so I'm glad that we finally got him um you know uh what else I love the shade the shade was great in this episode I think he's a great villain he's got like a lot of presence and he feels like a legitimate threat even though he swears he's not um the scene with him and Barbara where she, you know he kind of just like creeps up on her and there's this like really fine line between where he's like pretending to be polite and she's just kind of like not falling for it so they're kind of like dancing back and forth until the point where you know he knows that she's not falling for it and then it gets like really sinister um and then also again with like the the table when they all come in he's like let's just have some tea like he's very british <laughs> and very like menacing and it's, it's great um I'm so I'm, I'm really curious to because when he was like standing on top of like the the clock tower and he's like he's going to kill the kids. And I'm thinking like, does he mean like Eclipso is going to kill like, like our kids, like JSA kids? Like, is he actually here to save the town? Like, so it is kind of really interesting to see, you know, cause he could have just said that, <laughs> you know, and we could have like skipped over the whole, you know, um, suspicion and all that kind of stuff. So it is, it's going to be interesting to see um, what, his actual motivation is and, and where he draws his line of like morality of I will help you, but I will also still not help you or I don't know. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, and then of course, little iron at crumbs. I love that um, Rick said, you know, like he was trying to get Beth to open up. She's like, pretend I'm Chuck, speak to me. <laughs> I was like, Oh, it's so cute. Um, because like really Beth is Chuck is all Beth has had. So you know, for Rick to say, I'll be your Chuck is um, really cute. Um, so, yeah, lots of good stuff that happened in this episode. But what did not spark joy? Is that well, anything? yeah, <laughs> I feel like there wasn't really anything that didn't like specifically didn't spark joy. But what I was going to say before is, like, I'm still not seeing, like, oh, summer school. <laughs> like, why did you even right. bother? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that oh, was I am, I am proud of, like, Courtney for actually, like, reading her history book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm glad she's doing some work. But I feel like it wasn't, we didn't really need to explore her failing as a student because we're not exploring her, like, not failing as a student now. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, all right, cool. I guess we're not doing that. I also feel like things are, like, I like that they delve into the characters and they really like focus on everyone um but i'm also kind of like let's speed it up now i mean like maybe that's what summer school means like summer school just means like we're chilling right now don't worry about it we'll get to it later um so because i'm expecting like to see a little bit more of like the, the potential building of the isa etc cetera, etc cetera. and i agree with you like you know i would like to see more to just like just like before with jenny right where we get her and now she's gone i'm like okay can we can we get and then keep can we do both so, so yeah, there you go. Yeah, more Jakeem, and I'm sure that we'll get more of him soon. But 
I did have a dislike that I was going to mention, and now it's just slipped my mind. Um, oh, yes. Okay, so we saw in the flashback at the beginning of the episode between mm. the original Thunderbolt and Pat and the whole sidekicks mm-hmm. conversation. And it continues to piss me off that Pat is always so sidelined and disrespected. And by Starman, and this man's not even in the room, <laughs> I was like, lay <laughs> off of Pat. It's just feels so mean i was like you guys were friends because i don't understand he's always just you know punching down and it's not it's not cool and i don't like it but it also well this is a prediction but i just don't like it and it also feels like i don't know how pat's tolerated it for so long because it's just so rude but starman does seem like an asshole (laughs) yes it pisses me off and he's not even here (laughs) That's like my primary thing. I think I would also like to see more of, would have liked to see more of Cindy and like after, you know, Eclipso killed her mom, basically, like what is going on with her? Because I feel like we still don't really get to explore her headspace and her emotions regarding everything because I don't really buy that fact that she's just pure evil. Um, So I would like to see more of like a little bit more nuance with her and she wasn't even in this episode. So, yeah. I feel like, yeah, my no joys is that, you know, it's, it's like it's more like a nitpick because it just took too long to actually see Jakeem on screen because um, he only came up in like the last scene. Um, but then this is like, I'm glad you mentioned the beginning of the episode. So I, I thought it was like a cool flashback to see like the original JSA and we got to see like Wildcat and um, Johnny Thunderbolt. But um, and it's not too much of a not joy because i don't think pat is at fault really but you know you start out with the opening of the episode and pat and john talking about like how shitty it is that they don't get to participate and they don't feel part of the team and they're on the bench and then wildcat's like just thunderbolt not you <laughs> <To Pat>. right <laughs> <laughs> so like pat knows how it feels to be like left out and so in the present you have the situation where mike is in pat's situation where He's being told, no, not you. You need to sit out. And I feel like if Pat had a moment of reflection, like if Mike had actually stayed put, maybe, and they get back from this mission, like maybe he would have had some time to reflect and be like, you know, I know, what it, maybe we've gotten that like heart to heart with Mike. Like, I know what it feels like to be on the bench, blah, 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 blah. We'll get you like through superhero training and get you up to speed. But that's not really what happens. I mean, it's not exactly like Pat's fault because I feel like he would have gotten there at the end. But it is just kind of like, you know what it's like, man. So why are you putting Mike through this? Or like, yeah, you know, but yeah, nitpicks. I don't think we have Stargirl feedback. So like moving on to predictions. Do we have any? Uh, Mine is just that Pat has... Like, the whole scene in the flashback, I know wasn't meant to just remind us that Pat was just the lowly sidekick. And I feel like if that was the night that the JSA went down, it is the ISA, ISA. yes. I feel like Pat Pat got involved somehow and maybe, like, messed things up. And he never told anybody. I mean, something happened. They were right to sideline him. I didn't say that. I was saying like I, I don't know like what he he gets got involved somehow because I don't think he stayed put, and I feel like there whatever well, happened we, he's like, holding on the, to that. in the pilot like he he drove out there so at some point he went out there yeah yeah but I feel like something I don't know it just felt like something else happened before that interesting what do you have any thoughts Tati? 
Um, I agree kind of with May. Like, I don't know that he got involved and like, that's why, you know, whatever. But I do, I do feel like that was that day. Right. And so then something happened, like something in that memory is going to be really relevant to what Interesting. the yeah, storyline is. Well, I have an Eclipso Chuck um, prediction. And it's basically, I feel like even more convinced now this week than I was last week that there is some time travel magic at play. Mm-hmm. And the Chuck that's coming through Beth's goggles is the real alive Chuck alive in like 1956 or whatever time period we were in like season two premiere. Um, and he's like speaking through the goggles, some kind some kind of like timey wimey stuff is going on with these goggles that he can talk into the future. And he's trying to like warn the future and whoever's listening to the goggles about Eclipso. Ooh. And I feel like because I think there's time travel involved, that also opens a door for if you've got time travel problems, you call someone that can time travel. Hello, Jay. <laughs> Jay Garrick. And um, that'd be a good way to like bring the flash into play, which oh, I, I, like I feel it. like they've been trying to like, John Wesley Ship has definitely been hinting at something. And I know it just can't be the fact that the flash was mentioned in, in episode one. There has to be something else. So we shall see. Alrighty, moving into side B, which is our Supergirl side. And um, this side is called Tipping Point. So, as Supergirl and Zor-El make their return to National City, they are determined to keep the Phantom Zone behind them and enjoy being superheroes together. Unfortunately for Kara, it's hard to escape the past when that's all that Andrea seems to want to talk about and want her to focus on. Pissed that Katko has slipped to number eight in the national rankings, Andrea has tasked Kara with covering the Phantom attacks that took place in National City in her absence. Um, In addition to her work troubles, William appears to have moved on for some reason, and Kara, just in general, can't seem to find, like, her balance and in, in where she had to, like, reacclimate to her normal life. Zorel, on the other hand, has a serious case of deja vu when a falling satellite leads to a discovery of a trash island and the revelation that, ocean, that Earth's oceans are severely polluted and will lead to the destruction of the Earth. Um, his overzealous effort to succeed with Earth, where he failed Krypton, backfires, and a modified Kellex, Renamed Oscar after the Grouch, because, you know, that's what, you know, aliens who immigrate to Earth, that should be, like, required watching Sesame Street. Um, he, Kellex, a.k.a. Oscar, is overwhelmed and corrupted with, like, the Daxamite and Lex Tech that the DEO trash dumped. And he picked it up and is turned into a literal trash monster, threatening to destroy National City. The Super Friends save the day, of course, and Kara finally opens up to Alex about her PTSD um, and how a um, lady with gumption in another city, Central City, inspired her to write about her own um, trauma and the city's trauma through journalism. Elsewhere, Nia and Lena bond over the loss of their moms, and Andrea's obsession with reviving Catco puts the identity of the Super Friends on her radar. This episode was directed by Armin and written... Armin, like everybody, everyone should know who Armin is. Of course, uh, our best Armin Kevorkian, and written <laughs> by Dana Horgan and Jay Faber. What sparked joy? Well, uh, Armin, you know, everyone should know Armin. He is great, and he does a great job directing. Um, I did what I can remember of this episode. I enjoyed it. Um, I especially liked, you know, Kara getting to use journalism for good, uh, combining it with Supergirl once more. Being inspired by Iris and Central City Citizen, Central City Citizen somehow being like number four 
with 2.5 employees and one mm-hmm. article a day. 2.5. Iris, <laughs> Iris clearly puts like so much effort into the one article that goes up every I wonder if so. does she like outsource it? Does she get like featured writers from like, you know? She right? gets those emails from people who pay her to post on her site. <laughs> I'm convinced of this. Right? I don't know how she's doing it, but she is doing it. Number four, let's go. Um, so that was great. But no, I do. I did like that Carl was inspired by that. Was also, you know, that she actually wanted to help, um, you know, the earth and its uh, climate change problem stop pollution. Uh, that was great. Um, also loved Kara and Alex's reunion. I loved that this episode, Alex got to protect Kara like she thought she failed to do before. And so now she's like, oh, stepping back up to like the role she was born to play. Born to play. <laughs> 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 Love that sexy Jason Bear came with Kara. Very important. Glad he's still around. And that he attempted to use the Alex, however you, what? Whatever you call it. Alex. Yeah, to those, yes. For, you know, earth cleanup even if it went a little bit wrong it you know worked out kind of in the end and he is facing his own you know trauma about his past mistakes i loved his final scene or the final scene with Kara and her dad where they talk about facing her mom right and Mm -hmm. like looking back on what he's done and then having to like actually confront that now like because he's wanted to see her for so long and now that he is able he's about to see her it's like oh but there's actually the other side of it right it's not just going to be a happy reunion. Um, so I do like that he's wanting to, like, make up for his mistakes and, like, change the way that he handles things. Um, so that is good. Um, I like that we have Central City Citizen. Central City Citizen. Like, we have this team Supergirl back together again. Um, getting to see everyone fight together. And especially that Kara is getting to face her trauma as well, right? That whatever, like, what Andrea wanted her to do do was going to be, like, bringing her PTSD, if you will, to the forefront. Not that I have joy from her having PTSD, but that it is a realistic thing. She went through something really traumatic. It was really stressful for her. And now she's having to relive it just as soon as she's back on Earth and, like, trying to get, you know, her feet wet again or whatever. Um, also liked the that Lena is going to go, like, visit her hometown or, like, see where her mom came from, et cetera, get to know her mom. Because she's finally, like, letting go of that guilt. So that was, like, a really nice conclusion to the Kelpie thing. Um, at first, I was like, why is Nia making those faces? But then I was like, oh, okay, Nia's thinking about her mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I hope that that, <laughs> I hope that that leads us somewhere, too. But also her Nick's Lee dreams, hopefully, you know, will be uh, lead to somewhere interesting as well. Um, so, yeah. Beautiful. I think it was a strong episode back, for sure, you know especially after such a long break, I think after like ending it with Kara reuniting with the team and then leaving all the emotional stuff for this episode was really good because we got, I loved getting to see Kara have, like you said, I don't like to see her have PTSD, but I like the fact that the show addressed it and it wasn't just let's get back to business. And the fact that she felt so overwhelmed with regards to being back at work, being back with her friends, having to deal with the phantom uh, nightmares and also what happened to the city in her absence and feeling like immense guilt over it. And the fact that she got to discuss that with Alex and open up about it and that it doesn't seem like something that's going to be a quick fix and has to be dealt with over time was really, really lovely. And you, you know, Alex was great and being like a really good support system for her sister. Um, 
you know, finally they are, Alex is in a mode where she can clear headedly like help her sister rather than like, we need to save Kara now and all this, you know, overhyped emotions. <laughs> um, so now that I can like forge a path forward with both of them kind of dealing with a lot of different things. So I really love that for Kara specifically and the fact that she took inspiration from Iris over at the Central City Citizen who wrote a story about like the city coming together um, after she came back from the Mirrorverse and it was really nice to see her mentioned and also it even though you know like unlike Superman and Lois Supergirl actually remembers that it is part of the Airverse and it's nice that we get that even though we never really we've never seen Kara and Iris interact for more than like 30 seconds on screen um, so it feels like a nice connection there. And I really love the fact that, you know, the there was some fallout from the last episode, especially in terms of everyone's nightmares, like Lena about her mom and kind of dealing with the the grief of all that and the guilt of all that and having her be able to open up to Nia, who was also feeling like the loss of her parents and, you know, seeing Kari get to reunite with hers, understandably brought up a lot of feelings for both of them. And I like that they were, you know, each other's rock with regards to that. And they got to be each other's support system and finally be able to move forward to an extent with regards to, especially like Lena, because we know that she's always had a lot of feelings about her family and her mom and, that guilt and her being able to at least make some peace with it really felt like a full circle moment for her. Um, and also just that the fact that like Nia gets to interact with someone besides Brainy and Kara sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was nice that they're like, you know, the show continues to forge new friendships with the different characters. Um, I especially liked, you know, you know, I don't know how she does it, but Central City Citizen being number four, amazing over mm-hmm. like, you know, cat co that has a whole team. Beautiful. Love that virus. <laughs> um, what else? I really like just like the small comedic beats, like the whole, you know, calling um Jorel or sorry, Zorel like Uncle Archie. <laughs> or him lifting like the printer while he's at work. He's like, no, you don't do this in human world. Um so all of that what was kinda... the point? Like what was he trying to do with that printer? <laughs> Maybe the paper jammed, which is understandable. Or did he like lose a quarter under there or something? Like what was going on? <laughs> anyway, I, I think he played like Jason Bear played kind of very, you know, I'm this man who has lots of knowledge, but also sort of dorky right. really, really well. <laughs> um, and I, I even love the fact that like Kara had, you know, understandable anxiety over coming back to work because, you know, like at, on the flash i feel like just barry saunters into his job and you know after mm-hmm. a disappearance or whatever no one no one cares he doesn't even worry about his job car is actually worried about her job right. it's like well, i don't know how i still have my job which <laughs> you yeah. know makes that sense. was more like believable way yeah. to bring her back into the plot <laughs> and i like even like her excuse for it. like oh well he turned down the story you know so she <laughs> has to like do something else yeah that was um, good, that was good. <laughs> so yeah i think overall just like a strong episode with regards to like um, character development, emotional beats, especially all the Kara stuff was really, really uh, great to see. Yeah. And before I before I get into my emotional Kara spiel, um, I just like some of my lighter joys, um, little comedic moments. Like 
um, in the beginning of the episode where Brainy is like doing all these kind of like moves to to keep the cake stable. And there's like, I thought it was an emergency. I thought she was awake. So like, no, we just didn't want you to eat it. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, and then when they were like fighting the um, trash monster and Brainy is like, you know what? I have to be trash to attract the trash monster. And like, just like literally starts trash talking Kellex. And then I think once you saved him at the end, he's, and Kellex was like, you didn't mean that, did you? He's like, actually I did. <laughs> so I thought Brainy had some like good, kind of like funny, funny moments. Um, but I definitely agree with you guys and like the big parts, emotional core of it. I love how they handle Kara's PTSD and how that played out over the course of the episode. Um, I agree with you that it was realistic that she was like, I don't even know if I have a job and, you know, like trying to like see like how things are going to work and, um, you know, the way that they showed um, different most things that were happening during the day that were triggering for her um, and the like the, the visions of like the phantoms and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I like that. You know, I, I wrote because I was live tweeting and I said, I wish they had this kind of like introspection for Iris because I feel like Iris just had like a legger telling her her writer her writing was shitty until she like figured out maybe I should go to therapy. <laughs> so like I think <laughs> Supergirl <laughs> did a much better job in showing like how this experience has changed Kara. Um and then how that leads to, you know, the conversation with her dad at the end, because he also went through the same that she went through. Um, so that kind of conversation about like your mistakes. And I like that he told her that she does not have to carry the world on her shoulders all the time. Um, Cause I think like, he carries the weight of Krypton and the fall of Krypton on his shoulders all the time. So I, it was, it was a good, really good, good conversation for them. And then also the conversation between her and Alex, where she kind of like, talks through and at first Alex is like oh no 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 you're fine and 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 you don't have to talk about this and Kara's like no I do want to talk about this I need to talk about this so I like that she was able to process her feelings verbally with Alex and kind of work through that and of course that she was inspired by Iris and what Iris wrote for the city because I think it's just like a very um simple subtle way for the writers to kind of connect what Iris went to with what Kara went to. Um, and I agree with you. It shows the interconnectedness of the universe. And I feel like that's one big thing that the Arrowverse has already always had missing is that they don't really do a lot of interconnectedness outside of crossovers. So I feel like this is a really good um, thread to connect the two. Um, and it's, it, and I think like in the flash, like Iris has a picture of her and Kara on, like on her desk and we had that, um, one offhanded line that, you know, Iris had probably called Kara um, to get some advice on something. So I like that, you know, and maybe maybe she called her about the Central City article. I don't remember. But I like that there's that little interconnectedness to it. Um, I liked that it seemed like, you know, Kara was not the only one that we're picking up on. Because we also picked up on, on Mia and Lena. Um so it was nice to get the kind of continuation of their bonding over the loss of their mothers. I thought it was really interesting, you know, that Neo was asking um, Lena about her dream. And Lena was like, yeah, I, I beat mine. Didn't, isn't that all we all did it? And he was like, mm. <laughs> you know, so there's something there that, you know, Nia still feels, you know, that she's not doing enough because you know, Lena could figure out her dream. Why can't she figure out hers and all that kind of thing and and so i feel like this uh continuing that story of 
Nia and her mom um, to come to something bigger and continue to evolve like later on. Um, so that's really, really good. I like that Lena, um, she saw the, the scene of Carr talking to her dad. And I think for most of the episode, it was really kind of emotional in a sad way for both Nia and Lena. Um, at the end of the episode, I feel like it was more of a, an emotional, happy way for Lena. Seeing Kara with Zoro, because um, I feel like that kind of helped her lead her to the conclusion that she should go back home. That's how she figured out like her dream, what her dream meant to her, um, what she was talking to Nia about. Um, and then the decision to go home and actually like connect with her mom in, in the birthplace where she's from. So I think all of that was like really, really good. Yeah. I like, of course, I like that Zorel binge Sesame Street. I just think that's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did not spark joy? I did want to add um, the joy part that I forgot about the climate change. Because as much as I thought that was really funny, I thought it was a good way to process, like, Zorel's guilt over losing his planet. And then, right. you know, the, yeah, whole, yeah. the whole question of, like, oh, why don't superheroes help with bigger things? Like, uh, it's complicated in terms of climate change anyway. <laughs> Um, so that was really good. But as for what not did not spark joy, I did not like the fact that Kelly was not in this episode. The the excuse of her being swamped at work was like, mm, and during I think she could have made time. She could have made <laughs> time. Not. It was like Kara's reunion. Everyone was yeah. there, so it felt like she was, you know, shortchanged because she could have been there. And it doesn't feel like the group was whole because she also experienced, you know her fears and all this other stuff when they were trying to get cars. So the fact that she was just gone for no reason was sad and disappointing. Um, also, William moving on to some other girl. It's such like a weird excuse. It, to it sounds it, like he it went is. to like the British bake off and it's like, Oh, I made a tart and then fell in love with Mary. <laughs> okay. <It's> just... <laughs> <laughs> did you even try William did you even try to wait for Cara like, right? you know? right? like how long how long was she gone like maybe a few weeks right. I don't know it's just like you moved on really quickly not that they were really and he dating so dating upset that she didn't tell him that he left but you just moved on I know like, I know like, and I know that they weren't like you know formally dating or anything not that we saw but I just think my first thought was like what was the point of even doing flash. this mm-hmm if you're not going to follow through on it. And I met, my other thought was like, oh, Kenny can come back. Because <laughs> that's more of my mind. That's the but, end game anyway. Yes. It's the end game. <laughs> but like, it just feels so pointless because William is obviously right there. They're still working together and all that. So it's just like, why did you introduce this? You did not do anything with it because you're just lazy or something. You don't want to give Kara romance. <laughs> yes, they really are when it comes to Kara's romantic life. And it's and then you just drop it after she asked him out for coffee. And it's like, mm, I don't know. I did not like that at all. Um, and like, you know, coffee is does not have to be a date, William. It like, doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they right. want the writers want to let us know that like it's over, right. over. Yeah, sadly clearly it's so <laughs> funny because they never had they didn't even have to do that they didn't they even start it. They didn't even tell it was like exactly. starting starting <laughs> i guess it also gave me like it reminded me of you know when james and Kara were about to go on a date and they're just like yeah we're better off as friends and i really got yeah. those vibes right here so yeah. it's like every time Kara tries for a relationship that is not mono and mo- not toxic mm-hmm. like it just never works and i would or not white yeah it's a problem <laughs> it's a problem um andrea is just <laughs> this she's everything wrong with journalism 
<laughs> in the sense that like threatening your employees that you're going to fire them because they don't get you like stories that are going to have massive clicks or whatever. It just felt like none of the Arrowverse understands journalism at all. Not really. But here, especially since this is an actually like fully developed newsroom that, you know, it just says to me that she doesn't understand her position at all because it's like when you are at the top and your your publication is being run by a CEO who just like, I don't know, is obsessed with ads and doing that kind of thing. It just makes journalism seem less journalisty, if that makes sense. So she really just frustrated me the whole the whole episode because like she wants to get a Pulitzer and then she goes and steals information from like Lex's office or whatever. So it's just, I don't know, it just rubbed me the wrong way and whatever. Mm, not enough Brainy and Nia. Do they, I mean, they only interacted like once. I don't like that. I want more. Um, I know that, yeah, there was a lot going on, but I feel like after they had such a great run in the first half of the season, um, I don't want them, the writers to like forget that they exist, basically. Um, yeah, I think that was mainly it. It was a generally strong episode. I think Andrea was my biggest, like, dislike, you know. Um, I thought it was funny that she was, like, at Coast number eight. She was pissed about it. <laughs> but, I, you know, it, the way that she was pressing Kara for this specific story with the Phantoms. Um, and then Kara brings her another story. And then she just kind of, like, gives it away to, like, William to have Kara focus on, like, the Phantoms. And then I think she's also, like, super hyper-focused on William... Um, finding something dirty on Lex and as much as I can agree and it is true <laughs> that Lex is shady and it needs to be brought down I just feel like she is like a dog with a bone and yeah. won't let it go and um, just all she wants to do is win right which is annoying right she she was not like the best part of the episode and then I agree like her going and stealing like the information and that just puts like more target on Kara and the super friends because you know she said that she wants to have like relationships with each of these super friends and she wants like she gives like William like a quota on to do when to do it by but I, I feel like it's going to go from getting a relationship with the super friends to who are they who are they in their downtime and threatening to reveal the identity of super friends right unless they help well I guess it's a prediction so <laughs> my bad <laughs> Um, but I feel like that's where it's headed and it feels like it's, it's turning her a little bit into, well, a lot of it to an antagonist coming towards the back of the season mm -hmm. and something else that, you know, Car and friends are going to have to like watch their backs against. So, but I think like other than that, really, I didn't have too many qualms other than like William moving on hella fast. Right. <laughs> William and Andrea are my main qualms. Yeah. Um, but what did Shang and Suara have to say? Tati, did you go? Oh, did you? Yeah. Did you go? I didn't, but I have no other right. qualms. So okay. That's fine. Except I will agree also the lack of Brainy and Nia as a couple, just Brainy in general. And I'm still waiting for more Kelly. I know it's mm -hmm. coming, but I'm like, hello, come faster. Yeah. Also, it reminds me of the Iris that the iris the flash hates iris so <laughs> not really but you know i just like that they did this so much better than the flash will do yeah. Iris. yeah yeah <sighs> sad times 
Shang is back on his... My um, dislike about, if I can rant about The Flash, um, the fact that in one episode, the Supergirl writers had more empathy for Iris and her trauma, and then also believed more in her business (laughs) 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 than what The Flash has done in, like, the last two seasons. Because, you know, like, again, like, how, how is it possible that I'm glad she's number four, but how is Central City Citizen number four when you have, like, two employees mm-hmm. nationally, you know? Um, because we don't know, like, she could be having a lot of, like, featured writers coming in and, and like, sending stuff. But we don't see that. And none of, like, um, someone saying, well, it's not fair because Iris has done, like, a lot of investigating. She investigated blah, 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 A, B, C, and D. Like, yes, she did. But she did that for Team Flash. She didn't do that. That didn't translate right. into growing the citizen and growing, like, the business. So, and that's where I think, like... And they were Central City-specific stories, for the most right. part. Yeah. Right. So, the, you know, the Flash could always do better. But, yes, go ahead. Tell us what Shang and, and Suar had to say. Yes. Shang says he's back on his Supergirl bullshit. Number one, <laughs> the plots of this episode are just so stupid. <laughs> but I enjoyed the characters nonetheless. Also, I miss them all very much. I think my favorite scene was definitely the Danvers sisters. Like, I don't know if it's because it was Motherland's finale and I was just excited for that instead. But I was definitely not concentrating enough to understand what the fuck was going on. <laughs> Number two. You sorry excuse for a Roomba. Okay, king of comedy. The only line I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, super core hug. Kara needs to stop looking at Lena like she would risk it all before I got to put my clown shoes on again. (laughs) Number four, it was a, I don't know, I'll eat pasta pot stickers and watch it but it's not very rewatch worthy for me i think what they do with the trauma of car going back into the phantom zone in the following episodes will hopefully showcase the writing if they are even going to explore that at all i really have no idea where they are going with milf mixie (laughs) nixley as the big bad or any other plot lines right now el mariah shang Mm. good to have you back shang thank you for your feedback yes we love to see you and then we have uh, Suarez Supergirl feedback. He says, seriously, Supergirl writers and producers, Kelly just had to be absent f- for Kara's homecoming. Other than that blemish on it, I really did enjoy this episode. I found the discussion on ocean pollution overall really good and even gratifying with direct discussions on corporations, in this case, LexCorp, uh, meaning the ones who are primarily responsible for it and climate change. Yes, the corporation. That's the reality. This is where superhero stories and particularly super family stories work best when there's an insidious corporation causing harm, which is so true to real life. I love the exploration of Kara's PTSD from the Phantom Zone. As always, Melissa brought her A-game, and seeing her with Alex again was so great. I also loved the Lena-Nia scenes as they were bonding over reminiscing about the mothers they love and want to reconnect with, even if they're physically gone. It was really wonderful to see. Zorel was good, even though, even if I thought his character was a bit underwritten, I found Oscar both hilarious and terrifying. I find it very interesting that now both of Kara's parents, along with many of her people, are alive. I wonder how the Kryptonians will feature into the rest of the season. Oh, that's right, we have Nixley to worry about as Nia abruptly woke up at the end of the episode to remind us. Back to the plot. Best, Suara. I missed that because I didn't think that at all. Yeah, Ania drummed about her at the end. She, and she woke oh, up. She's no. like, oh, Nixley. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay, before I lose Wi-Fi, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, do we have predictions or can we do Lady with Gumption nominations? Lady with Gumption. Okay, so who do we got? Um, for Legends, I will say it was Ava. I'm going to go Zari. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Ava or Zari. Okay. The make or break vote. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm going to go with Ava because I feel like it was more satisfying with conclusion. Even though Interesting. I agree, Zari was very brave. Interesting. Yeah. And for Stargirl, um, hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, it was a Mike centric episode. It was so. a Mike centric episode. I guess Courtney for like standing by her brother and okay. standing up against Pat. Standing. Even though she's, she's not going to win. But. <laughs> I want to go for Barbara because she she knew something was up with, with the shade and she went to go like investigate and she didn't back down when he basically stalked her and cornered her in in like the thing. So true, true. I I support the Barbara decision. Okay, so Ava, for, Barbara, for Supergirl, obviously Kara. Kara. <laughs> no, no question. And I think I'm gonna say Kara overall because I feel like she dealt with a lot coming back into a life she wasn't in for a while and having to, you know, get used to that again and also having to deal with her trauma from the Phantom Zone. Yeah, I think Kara definitely for the win, at least for me. Are we agreed? Uh, I I will agree with that. All right. So, Kara, welcome back, girl. You are Lady's Gun <laughs> of the Week. Um, thank you again for... Um, listening to our podcast you can find us on podomatic site you can find us on all of your um podcasting places and you can always send us your feedback ladiesofbegumption at gmail.com or send us ask on tumblr ladiesofbegumption.tumblr.com we'll be here again next week same bat time same bat place until then see you bye bye